this morning. Whether you're in the room, you're watching online, I want you to wrestle with one thing this morning. Will you keep the main thing, the main thing, namely the gospel, or will you keep tripping over things that distract us away from the glory of God and his mission? Will you keep the main thing, the main thing? I want to share with you guys this morning my story growing up. I grew up in a Filipino-American, culturally Christian church of about 150, maybe 200 people. I grew up, my dad being the pastor of that church, I grew up going to Sunday school, going to every prayer gathering, prayer meeting, going to every Bible study. I said a prayer when I was little. I got dunked in some water, but I never fully placed my faith and my trust in Christ Jesus. I was one way when I was at school. Now it was another way when I was at church. At church, I was the good pastor's kid. Do all the right things, say all the right things, go to Sunday, go to Wednesday for prayer, you know, fold my hands, do what everybody else is doing. On Friday, go to all the youth events because that's what we're told to do. Got to set the example. But at school, I was somebody completely different. I was smoking, I was drinking, I was partying. My life was on the fast track to hell. But praise God for parents. Praise God for parents. You know what happened? I was 16 years old in a relationship I definitely shouldn't have been in doing things I definitely shouldn't be doing. And there was a point in my life where I was high on the top of my roof. I almost took my own life. I had sought to do harm to myself. And God, by his grace and his mercy, he took me down from that roof. A few weeks later, my dad reaches out to me. He says, I want you to go to school in the Philippines. And so he saw it as an opportunity for a clean slate. I saw it as an opportunity for a clean slate. So I went and by the grace and by the mercy of God, I meet Jesus for the very first time for who he actually is. And I surrender my life, all that I am over to his lordship in my life. I was saved. Praise God. But here's what I don't want you to miss. I gave my life to Jesus. I surrendered all that I am to him in that moment. By the way, let me just say to parents, you're thinking about sending your kids halfway across the world. Sometimes it works, you know. But 
when that happened, my life completely changed. I believed so deeply the truths of the gospel and I was transformed by it that I couldn't help but live for his glory and for his mission. And so I ended up helping my dad. So my dad actually went to live with me for six months in the Philippines. And every single morning he would walk me through at 5 a.m. every single time, walk me through scripture, teach me how to interpret scripture. And then we would go into these rural, like out into the mountains through rivers and through uh, rough terrain just to preach the gospel, to have feedings, to, to minister to these people. I ended up going to Bible college and it's there that I meet some people who helped me get into this church planting movement and helping with house church. I'm on the, you know, during the summers, I'm heading over to my dad's hometown and we're doing evangelistic crusades. We're preaching the gospel. We're all about God and his kingdom and his glory. And then all of a sudden, my time due to unfortunate circumstances was cut. My parents brought me back to the U.S. And I, oh man, I'm trying to hold it together. Praise God for parents. For parents who pray for you. My mom, my dad prayed for me. I came back. And I remember, you guys know what reverse culture shock is? I lived in the Philippines for three and a half years. And there was this moment. It was my welcome home party. I was, people were welcoming me back. And it was all of my friends, all of my friends that I grew up with in this Filipino-American, cult, Christ, culturally Christian environment. And they were all seated around me. I remember the moment. It hit me. I looked around and our conversations were no longer about preaching the gospel to people who you need to travel through rough terrain and and you got to travel through rivers and swamps and mountains just to preach the gospel to them. Now our conversations were about pop icons, about Miley Cyrus swinging in on a wrecking ball. I realized in that moment that our conversations were no longer with our Bibles in our hands and we're digging deep into the truth of Scripture. But now it's with phones in our hands where they're just discussing the box score of last night's Warriors game. There was a moment in my life where I was, I was not in a healthy place because this is what I was doing. I was judging them. I looked at them and I said, how could you not be in God's word and love it so deeply and care for the deep truths of scripture? You're tripping up over all these peripheral things, things that have no eternal impact. Why are you not loving God's word in this way? Why are you not living your life for the glory of God and for his mission? But I was just as guilty as they were. Because in me, I was judging them for getting tripped up on peripheral things when I myself should have been loving on them, shepherding them, 
discipling them out of their cultural Christianity and pointing them to Jesus. Instead of looking down my nose and judging them, I should have been looking up in how I could serve them. I wonder if there's someone here today, somebody joining us online, and you're realizing, hey, that's actually me. Or I've been there. Where instead of keeping the main thing, the main thing, namely the gospel, we're tripping up over peripheral things that distract us, that turn our focus away from, away from what's most important to God, his glory and his mission. To you and I, we all have a tendency to be distracted by things, by getting tripped over things that ultimately point us away from God and his glory. But this is why Paul is making it so abundantly clear here in Titus chapter 3. That the gospel is the main thing and we need to keep it the main thing. Stop tripping up over all these peripheral things. Keep the main thing the main thing. So here's what I'd like to invite you to do. Open up your Bibles with me to Titus chapter 3. And as you're finding your place there, we're going to finish the book of Titus today. But as you're turning there, I just want to give a quick recap of where we've been. And the last week, what we've heard about, how the scripture is clear that we were saved, not because of works done in righteousness, but we were saved according to his mercy. And so last week it talked about us believing in the gospel. We've been transformed for good works. We've been transformed by the gospel for good works. And it's in that, that, right, we are not saved by our works, but we're saved for good works. And then Paul jumps right into it in chapter three. Look at what he says. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. So here's Paul talking to Titus. He's giving them, giving Titus a list of behaviors. He's saying, hey, be submissive to rulers, be uh, obedient, be ready for every good work, speak evil of no one, on and on and on and on. And he's giving these examples because he's saying this is what the Christian life ought to be. This is what following Jesus is meant to look like. But you got to remember that before there's chapter three, there's chapter two. Where if you look at verse 14 in chapter two, Paul says, no, Jesus came, he rescued us, he redeemed us, and he purified for himself a people for his own possession who would be zealous for good works. Meaning this, the only reason that they're doing good works, the only reason Paul can say, hey, do all these things, be all these things, be this way, is because you believe so deeply the truth of the gospel. The gospel not only saves you, but the gospel transforms you to live in this way. And so Paul is just reiterating. He's saying, hey, keep the main thing, the main thing. He wants them to focus on this, wants Titus to focus on this so much that he goes right back into the gospel. Look what he says in verse 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, 
led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. I love this. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy. And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. So if you're a first-time guest or maybe you're joining and tuning in online for the very first time and you're wondering, if you have any idea, if you're wondering what the gospel message is, we just read it. Paul is saying, look, we were once disobedient slaves to our own passions. That's what we were. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our Savior appeared, Jesus Christ sent by the Father to us, doing for you and I what we couldn't do for ourselves, living the life that we could never live and dying the death that you and I deserve. When the goodness and loving kindness of our Savior appeared, he saved us, it says. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, right? Not because we could earn our way for salvation. Not because not that we could uh, do good enough or be good enough, but according to his mercy. He pours out his spirit richly upon us, the washing and regeneration of the Holy Spirit. And then it says, and then we are justified meaning we are made right by God. We are declared righteous. We are in right standing with almighty God because of what Christ has done for us. And now we become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That is the gospel. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the main thing that we need to focus on. Why though is Paul sharing this? He says it, he makes it clear in verse eight. He says, Titus, insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. There's that word again, good works. Paul is saying when the main thing is the main thing, the gospel that saves you, it transforms you where your desire is to do good works. Like these parents earlier who were on the stage who said, hey, I'm willing to give up everything, even my own children, to be sent on mission, to be about God and his glory and his mission. I'm willing to give it all up. That's what the gospel does to us. It not only saves us, but it transforms us and it brings us to a place where we say, because of all that God has done for me, I'm ready to lay it all down. I'm ready to live for the glory of King Jesus and his mission, going, sending, and making disciples. But here's what I think you and I often miss. We, just like the church in Crete, just like I was when I was growing up, we get tripped up over things that have no eternal weight. We get distracted and our eyes and our focus are away from the main thing. Look at what ha look what's happening 
in the church in Crete. This is what it says. Verse 9. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Y'all reading the same text I'm reading? Paul is so, so clear. There are things that we put weight to that we shouldn't. They just distract us and keep our attention and focus away from what's most important to God, his glory and his mission. For them, it was genealogies, dissensions about, hey, do we need to observe this law or or how should we observe it? But I wonder if us, we as Fielder Church, have we come to a place where we've forgotten the main thing and we've come to a place where we've let these things distract us? Things like our traditions, certain ways of doing things, the color of the carpet, the kind of songs that we sing, the lights that blind us sometimes. Whether a guy should raise his hands in worship or should kneel down, whether it's okay to jump or should we all be a little stoic. Minor points of theology. This was me, I was a Pharisee. Calvinism, Arminianism, Molinism. When it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, are you a cessationist? Are you a continuationist? Paul is saying, keep the main thing, the main thing. The gospel is the main thing. Don't let all these other things distract you away from God's glory and his mission. Because Here's the truth. God's glory and God's mission is far too important and far too urgent for us to get tripped up over all these peripheral things. And ultimately, these distractions lead to division. Look what he says in verse 10. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. That's a hard text. That's some hard, hard truth that Paul is telling Titus to tell the people in Crete. Hey, look, I'm a pastor. And if Jason were to tell me to go and do this, that's kind of, whoo, that's a heavy you know, to insist on these things. But that's what he's telling him to do. But these people that he's talking about here are heretics. They're people who are a law unto themselves. They're people who don't want the authority of God's scripture, God's word to be authoritative in their life. They don't want to come under the spiritual leadership of the church. They have no desire for spiritual truth. They have no desire for unity. And so Paul has to come hard. He has to come down on them. He says, listen, warn them once, warn them twice. But guess what? If they do not listen, have nothing to do with them. Knowing that such a person is warped, 
sinful, and self-condemned. The reason why Paul is making such a big emphasis on this is because division is a weapon used by the enemy to attack the church. God's calling for his body is for us to be united, to be one under the main thing, the gospel. The enemy seeks to use division to split us apart. Listen to the very words of Jesus, the one who we say we follow. Look what he says as he prays for us in the high priestly prayer in John 17. John 17 verse 20 says this. Jesus says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Can you see just how important unity of the body is to Jesus? How important unity is for you and for me as the body of believers. He says it so clearly. The reason why unity is so important is because this is how we experience the glory of God. The glory that Jesus had with his father from the very beginning is the same glory that you and I get to experience when we are united, just as the Father and Son are one. But not only that, but he says, not only do you experience my glory when you're united, but guess what? The world we put on display, when we are united, we put on display the message that of God's love for them. That God loved the world so much that he sent his son to reconcile the creation and his people back to himself. That's the message that we put on display when we are united. It is the gospel message that unites people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. It's the gospel message that unites people of different culture, cultures, different backgrounds, different socioeconomic statuses, different languages and skin colors. The gospel is what unites us. And so Paul is making it abundantly clear when we go back to our other text that, hey, we are all equal at the cross of Jesus, at the foot of the cross. We are all equal. And so do not let division, do not let that creep in. Our unity, the gospel message, the good news, the main thing, living for God's glory and for his mission is far too important, far too urgent for us to let all of these things distract us and cause division. Turn with me back to Titus. Look at what he says in verse 12. When I send Artemis and Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. Now, can I be really honest with y'all? When I read scripture, sometimes these are the kinds of things that I just, you know, glance over a little bit, skip through. Because it's like, what, what's in there for me? But I couldn't have been far from the truth. So I'm grateful for 
being able to preach God's word today and dig deep into this part of the text. Because what Paul is describing here to Titus and what he's showing us here in this letter is what was normative for the early church. And you know what was normative for the early church? Going, sending, and making disciples. Living your life for the glory of God and his mission. And so he says, look, Titus, I'm sending to you Artemis and Tychicus, which means Artemis and Tychicus had to be obedient to go. So they were going. And then he says to Titus, hey, you and the church in Crete, make sure that you are speeding on their way, Zenos and Apollos, right? Making sure that they lack nothing. So Titus and the Cretan church were in charge of sending them out, making sure that they lacked nothing. And what was normative for the early church needs to be normative for us today. Just as they were about going, sending, and making disciples, we too need to be about going, sending, and making disciples. I realize that there are some of us here today where the call on your life may not be to go halfway across the world to a place where the gospel, there's no gospel presence and you're called to be a missionary. Your calling may be to be an accountant, to be a basketball coach, to be a teacher. But the invitation to follow Jesus is the invitation to join him on his mission. You the command of God, the calling of God, the command that he has for you and for us is to live on mission. So that means when you go to school and you're teaching, your, your end goal isn't to just raise up students and send them out. Your, your end goal as a basketball coach, as a high school coach, isn't just to win a championship. Your goal as an accountant is not just to have a good business and, and, and make lots of money. No, God is calling you to lay everything that you are, all that you are for his glory and for his mission. And if you're not going, you're sending. God is calling you to be about, just like what he said in verse 13, make sure that they lack nothing. Send them. That's what his encouragement to them is. So you're either sending you're going or you're being disobedient. I'm going to say it one more time just in case you missed it. You're either sending, you're going, or you're being disobedient. Look at what Paul says here in verse 14 as we finish the text. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. So Paul is just laying it out here one last time. He's saying, let the people devote themselves to good works. Let them 
learn to uh, let them help in cases of urgent need and let them not be unfruitful. Again, it's just listing this life of transformation, but it goes back to the gospel. Because you can't be fruitful. You can't live a life devoted to good works if you're not first transformed by the gospel because the gospel saves us. The gospel transforms us and the gospel compels us to go send and make disciples. Amen. So here's where I'd love to land at the end. Paul isn't just talking to the early church. These are letters written to the entire church, you and to me. Have we become unfruitful? Are we devoting ourselves to doing good works? Are we keeping the main thing, the main thing? Or are we getting tripped up over peripheral things that have no eternal weight for glory, that distract us from the glory and the mission of King Jesus? We go because Jesus came to us. We send because the Father sent Jesus to us. And we make disciples because Jesus' command for us was to go and make disciples. So here's what we all need to wrestle with this morning. Here's what we all need to wrestle with today. The invitation to follow Jesus isn't just so that way we can Sit pretty. Jesus didn't just save you so that way you could be rescued from your sin and you can, I'm good, I'm waiting for heaven. Jesus saves you to send you. You are saved to be sent. The moment you decide, I'm choosing to follow Jesus, you are also be, being invited to join him on his mission. This is why we as a church have our 14 vision goals. This is why we as a church have Sending Sunday in November. We have Missions Month. I want some of you, I've realized this. Some of you today, you need to hear what Paul said in verse 13. He says, send them on their way, speed them on their way, and make sure that they lack nothing. And the call of God on your life right now, the, the step of obedience that the Lord may be calling you to this morning is to say, hey, I'm willing to send somebody. We as a church, we believe so much in sending people that our desire, our goal for this year is we're gonna send out 500 of our own people, adults, children, students, we want to send them out. And so part of our budget is that we, we scholarship about 25% for the adult trips, about 50% 50, uh, 50 for our children and students trips. And it comes out to an average about $500 to send one person who's been radically changed by the gospel and is saying, hey, I want to go. 
But one of the main barriers and reasons why they don't go is financial, is resources. So the challenge for you today, the Lord may be knocking on your heart to say, would you make sure that they lack nothing? Would you answer the call to be the wind in their sails so that they can go and declare the good news of the gospel? This morning, what you can do is you can scan the QR code in the backseat pocket. If you're online, just go to fielder.org slash connect. The second option in the connect form is I want to send somebody. And when you click that link, it's going to populate for you. It populates for you $500. And it's for a reason because, again, the average for sending somebody is about $500. But that is one person who has been changed by the gospel and is ready to go. Would you make sure that they lack nothing? I understand too. Some of you, you look at that number and you're just thinking, that's a lot. Can't even make ends meet right now. Maybe for you, the call is, can I commit to sending one? Where over the next five months, over the next six months, I'm going to set up a recurring payment so I can be about sending one, making sure that they lack nothing. There's others of you in the room where you can add a zero to the end of that 500. And you could be about the business of sending an entire team for the sake of the gospel, for these people who are ready to live on mission for King Jesus. Would you be willing to say yes to that this morning? There's others of you, you heard in November where, you know, the, the sending Sunday and you maybe filled out a form, but you haven't followed through. Would you take the step of obedience and following through this morning? Some of you, maybe you didn't feel the call at that moment, but right now the Lord is knocking on your heart to say, would you put your yes on the table and go? You can scan that same QR code. You can go to fielder.org slash connect. And that third option is for you to say, I'm ready to go. Mark some of the areas, some of the places, some of the trips that you might be interested in going on. Because the gospel has already given us the answer of why we go. We're just now left with asking where. Where, oh Lord, would you send me? But let's not forget the main thing. Keeping the main thing, the main thing. The reason why we go, the reason why we send is because of the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. And some of you this morning, you're hearing this message and you're just like going, sending. Listen, going and sending only makes sense if you have placed your faith in the one who was sent for us. Jesus was sent to us. The goodness and loving kindness of our Father, uh, of our God, our Savior appeared and he saved us not because of works done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. Jesus doing for you and I what we couldn't do for ourselves. Maybe the call for you this morning is to respond to the gospel by saying, I'm ready to place my faith in Jesus this morning. Here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to invite all of us to stand 
I'm going to invite the pastors and the prayer team to come forward. If you're watching online, if you're joining us online, you can write out your prayer requests in the chat. You can write out and say, hey, I want to give my life to Jesus today. Some of you, you can make that a public declaration this morning by stepping into the waters of baptism. The water doesn't save you. It is a symbol to declare to the world that I am his. It's Jesus in my place. Finally, there's some of you this morning where you're realizing I couldn't even focus on going, on sending on the gospel. And it's because there is something in my life that I need to deal with. I am burdened, I'm hurting, I'm aching. And what you may need to do is you need to come grab somebody and say, would you pray with me? Would you see me where I am and love on me and pray over me? If that's you this morning, I invite you to come. You can write it in the chat. There's someone who's gonna meet with you today. But let's be about the gospel. Let's keep the main thing, the main thing. And this morning, let's all rightly respond to the good news of the gospel. Let's do that now.